0: heights to the depths of the sea
1: notice verse 11 back in our text it says i indeed baptize you with water under repentance john said but he who is coming after me is mightier than i whose sandals i am not worthy to carry he will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire but we're just going to hold off that and fire for a minute every creature's
0: unique in all exclaiming in a scratch Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Today, John recognizes his own place before Jesus. He is one not worthy to carry the sandals of Jesus, and he did not consider himself far above those whom he has called to repentance, and he knew where he stood in relation to Jesus. It would have been so easy to become proud of the crowds he drew and the response he saw. But that wasn't the case. In saying he was not worthy, John put himself lower in relation to Jesus than a normal disciple of a normal rabbi. A rabbi's disciple was expected to act virtually as a master's slave, but to remove his shoes was too low a task for even a disciple. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress.
1: ...to take his sandal off to wash his feet. John would say, I'm not even worthy of that, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Notice that. It's interesting that he includes both of those, and we're going to look at that because there is a difference between John's baptism and Christian baptism, Remember John, as he was living, he was still living in Old Testament times, even though he was living with Jesus. It's called the New Testament because when Christ died on the cross, his testament became effective at his death. Do you follow me? So even while Jesus was alive, it was very Old Testament. It wasn't until he died that the testament became effective and that's why we call it the New Testament. But John preached a baptism of repentance. Remember, the forerunner, he's, he's come to lay the ground. He's come to prepare the way for Jesus. And what did it tell us in Mark's uh, Gospel? It says, John came preaching, or baptizing, excuse me, in the wilderness and preaching what? A baptism of repentance. For the remission of sins. What does Luke chapter 3 tell us? And he went all in the region around the Jordan. Preaching a baptism of repentance. For the remission of sins. That's what John did. That was what he came to do. It was very different from when we baptize here. And we're going to look at the difference. Because this doctrine of baptism is good to understand. Because again there can be confusion. So there's the baptism of repentance. Which John baptized according to. And even in Acts chapter 19, we see the difference between John's baptism and Christian baptismal, uh, baptism. Clearly, we see this in Paul's third missionary journey to Ephesus. Let me read it to you. This is Acts 19, verses 1 through 6. And it says, And it happened. While Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Well, into what then were you baptized? Now here the distinction is being drawn, and pay attention to this. Into what into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism, which we know as a baptism of repentance. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. So notice verse 5, it says this So when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They, they there was evidently water there, they baptized them. And then the very next verse says, notice, and when Paul had laid hands on them, a separate thing, he baptized them, and then afterwards he laid hands on them, and what does it tell us? The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So there's a difference between John's baptism, Christian baptism, now, Christian baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you, you, can, you can think of them as one. For the, our purposes today, though, I'm going to separate them because they can happen um, at different times. And we'll look at that. But notice, so we looked at the baptism of repentance that John had preached and that he had done. But there is also a Christian water baptism. And this is something that Jesus commanded us to do. And it literally means, to the, the word baptiz, baptizo literally means to immerse or to submerge. Now we don't want to get too dogmatic on this. I, I, I personally believe that you can be baptized by just pouring a, a pitcher of water over your head. There's, there's nothing magical about the mode in which you do it. Um, but, but, but I believe that, and this is just my own conviction, and, and, and there are many people who differ, and, and it's okay because it really doesn't matter. Remember when COVID was going full strength and we had, to, we had a baptism out here? So instead of baptizing everybody in a COVID-filled baptismal pool, or at least we thought, we just poured pitchers of water over the heads of the folks on, on the back here. Remember when we did that? That's valid. There's nothing wrong with that. Christian baptism is something that Jesus commanded us to do either at our conversion or subsequent to our conversion. And it's a baptism based on the finished, and this is the difference, the finished redemptive work of Jesus Christ. That is the difference. A baptism of repentance for John. Now there's a Christian baptism where we're baptized into Jesus Christ and we're baptized into his finished work of redemption. That means his death and his resurrection and all that that signifies. That is what we were baptized into. We were baptized into Christ. We call it Christian water baptism, whatever you want to call it. Um... In fact, you know this. This was the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. That's a command. That's why I got baptized. I even got baptized twice. I got baptized by Pastor Jeff in the Lake Ontario, and I survived that, by the way. And they held me down a little extra just to make sure it took because I was a little rebellious But then I actually wanted to get baptized in the Sea of Galilee. And I got baptized there too, just because. Just so I could have bragging rights. Right? But Christian water baptism, notice, is symbolic for us of what Christ did on the cross in his death and what he did through his resurrection in giving us new life through the Holy Spirit who indwells us and ultimately coming upon us in subsequent fillings. In fact, in Romans, you remember, we looked a little bit this last week, but I want to review it because we're kind of putting it in order now, this Christian baptism. What exactly is it? Well, Romans tells us in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 6, it says, What shall we say then, Paul says to them? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Do you see the, the picture that is painted there? When Jesus died, he literally was in the grave. But then on the third day, the Spirit of God re- restored, you know, renewed him, and he came, and he, his body changed everything, and he rose from the grave. And so, when we have Christian baptism, that's what it is. John the Baptist, he baptized for repentance, just to repent. He was preparing for this event where Jesus would baptize us in his finished redemptive work. And what is that redemptive work that he did? Very simply, he died on the cross and he rose again from the grave. And just as he did that, those symbols of us going down, being baptizo, the the submersing, the, the put under, and then raising to newness of life, all of that is symbolic of what has already happened to us as we have been baptized. And Colossians goes on and tells us and he says, since then you were raised with Christ, now seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. In verse 5 of Colossians 3, put to, your, put to death the members which are on the earth, the fornication, the uncleanness, the passion, the evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. And you're to put off all these, verse 8, anger and wrath and malice, blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. How many of you had a filthy, rotten mouth before you came to Christ? Thanks, Greg. Appreciate that. He didn't know I was going to do that. He's kind of turning in different colors now. But I did. I had a filthy, rotten mouth. And the Lord took that from me. And other things, too. And he's continuing to sanctify me. Is he sanctifying you? Do you know that he's sanctifying you? Is he giving you the desire, even, to walk in purity and holiness? Isn't it a wonderful thing to walk in purity? And to walk in holiness? And we don't have to be self-righteous about that. It's just something that God wants to do. People around you may say, oh, you're holier than thou. You know, let them think what they want, because all that means is that they're convicted by your lifestyle. That's what it is. You've got to let that roll off, Christian. You've got to have a hide of a rhinoceros if you're going to survive the accusations of the 21st century. And Colossians 12 through 17 also goes on and and, and speaks of our conduct. Since we have been raised with Christ, since we have been raised in this Christian baptism. But before we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is going to be next, and the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, we'll look at that in a minute. We have to understand that the Spirit of God did come upon believers So before we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is uh, something that can happen to us subsequent to our being baptized in Christ, or water baptism, I wanted to share with you that the Old Testament saints, they didn't have the Spirit of God indwelling them like you and I do. But they did have the Holy Spirit coming upon them at different times to accomplish certain things in Israel's history where they were really needing help. And God used average people that to to um, to come upon them, and that's what the Spirit of God would do in the in the Old Testament. He would come upon them, empowering them for a very specific thing, and then the Holy Spirit would leave; it wouldn't stay upon them. And we see this in the lives in Judges chapter three. Uh, or excuse me, Judges chapter 6, we see it uh, in Gideon. It says in verse 33, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But notice, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Upon him. And, and, and Judges 14, the same thing about Samson. The Spirit of God came mightily upon him at different times. It says that. And then even David in First Samuel 16, verse 3, Samuel took the horn of an oil and anointed him in the midst of his other uh, eight brothers, or seven brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. So that did happen in the Old Testament. But you and I have this wonderful experience. I hate to even use the word experience, but It it does happen at different times in our life, and hopefully it happens as often as the Lord wants to use us to give us power and to magnify the words that we're saying. And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And again, something only for believers. Notice verse 11 back in our text. It says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, John said. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. But we're just going to hold off that and fire for a minute because the context will make it clear what it's speaking of. But what about the baptism of... Of the Holy Spirit. This is a a second baptism that we can experience as well, apart from Christian or water baptism. And it's when the Holy Spirit of God comes upon us. He's in us already. That's what makes us a Christian. In fact, Peter, I think, said, "If, if the Spirit of God does not dwell in you, you are not a Christian. You may go to a Christian church, you may uh, read your Bible, you may do all of these good works, but the Spirit of God, if the Spirit of God is not in you, you are none of His. You don't belong to Him if the Spirit of God is not indwelling you. But I need, in addition to the Spirit of God in me, I need Him to come upon me at times for His purposes. I don't have an iPhone app where I can just say, Spirit now, fall upon me Why isn't it working? Is there a bug in the software? I I want him to fall upon me now. Well, why is it that I want him to fall upon me so that I can do some kind of freak show for people? So I can magnify myself? Is that really what it's all about, or is it about somebody else? If you look at the times when God baptizes his saints with the Spirit of God, it's because he has a plan. And he has a plan to reach someone else you and I can be completely oblivious to it. And you'll probably know it when the Spirit of God comes upon you because you're going to be lit up. You're going to be excited. You're going to be sharing stuff. You're going to be talking about... Scriptures are going to be coming to your head that you forgot. And all of a sudden, you're talking to somebody and they're listening. They're really listening. They're like, something dynamic is happening here, but they've got my attention. And that's the Spirit of God. God giving you the boldness, giving you everything you need for that moment, for that moment. And it's different for everybody. And we can't, I don't have the ability to just turn on a switch. You look in the, in the book of Acts and you'll notice that they were just going about the business of the church and the Spirit of God would fall upon them. There was no flipping a switch. But the question I've got to ask myself is, do I put myself in positions where God would do that? What does it tell us in the book of Acts? Chapter 1, verse 8, it says, In Jesus' speaking, says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, this is already after the Spirit of God is in you. Uh, he's speaking to his disciples. They're already born again. But he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the other parts of of the, of, the, of the world, the uttermost parts. See, this is a dynamic work of God where he empowers and gives us boldness to serve him. And it's something we need to pray for that the Lord would do according to his choosing, not ours. But see, we need this boldness and empowerment today in the world that we live in because for the most part, many Christians are being assimilated into the world and the world system we're no longer being salt and light. We're no longer willing to share with our neighbors. We're no longer willing to even talk to our family. And there's something wrong with that, folks. And, 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 and there's a dulling in, in, our, in our culture that is just dulling us. It's, it's like we're, we're like this fire and, and the water and everything is pouring water on us and we're allowing it. We're allowing, we're, sometimes we even invite it. We accept it these things, and it just dulls us. We quench the spirit. We dull it. Pretty soon, there's, there's no witness at all. And you know what that's called? The Laodicean church. When the church gets to that place where we have no salt, no light, no fire in our hearts, we're Laodicean. And it's here. I'm not saying necessarily here. But it's in the church in America. We need to revive. I need revival. You need revival. We need to wake. Awaken from our slumber. The things that are coming in our country, I think they're going to wake us up. I have found that sometimes I need a catalyst. Sometimes I need something to stir me, something to provoke me, and all of a sudden I get, you know, you know what I'm talking about, you get, you get goaded enough with a stick and pretty soon you're like, okay, okay, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, I'm finally, you know, I'm awake, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> do you ever feel like that? And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm awake, and the Lord's going, okay, do I got your attention? I want you to share I want you to never forget it. Share the gospel. Be faithful to that commission to, to go out and to tell people. In the byways, in the highways, wherever you go, it, it doesn't take a lot of effort to open your mouth. You can be anywhere and still be loving and compassionate and gracious and pray that, the God would, that God would just fill you with his spirit, that he would fill you, he would come upon you as you go to Wegmans, as you go to work. You know, maybe you're on break and there's somebody who is struggling and their marriage is falling apart. And you say, hey, can I pray for you? It's on your break, right? So they can't say, oh, she's, you know, bad, you know. Do it on the break. Say, can I pray for you? Lord, help. You know, Nehemiah did that a lot too. A very simple prayer. Help. Help is a really great prayer. And it's a word I know very well. (laughs) I cry for help often. Every single day, several times a day, I'm crying out, God, help. Help me. I want to be effective for you, but I'm a bonehead. Can anybody relate? You don't have to raise your hands. Thank you, Al. (laughs) Both of these fellows aren't going to be at church next week. They're like, you called me out, bro. I'm not... But this outpouring of the Spirit of God, Joel prophesied it in the Old Testament. He says, and it shall come to pass. And again, this was Old Testament. And what happened on the day of Acts when the Spirit of God was poured out upon the believers was the fulfillment of this prophecy in Joel it says and it shall come to pass afterward that I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions and also on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days and the spirit of God comes upon believers in the New Testament we see it in a a bunch of different places I'm only going to read two to you because time is running short in in Acts chapter 1 it says I'm being assembled together with them, this was after Jesus' resurrection uh, and before his ascension, being assembled with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Didn't we just read that? And then in Acts chapter 2, the very first four verses, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, and suddenly there came, as of a, as of a rushing wind. Notice it wasn't a rushing wind. The Bible uses these similes. Don't get that confused. It, it was the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues... As of fire. It doesn't say that it was fire. Divided tongues over their head as of fire. It looked like fire, but it was tongues. And isn't that exactly what God was going to do? Give them the ability to speak in different languages? Immediately following that, they would go out into all Jerusalem, throughout all the world, and they would be sharing the wonderful works of God. In different languages that they didn't pre, you know, uh, previously learn. So this was an act of the Holy Spirit. And there are many other verses, and, and I've written them down here. And by the way, if you, you know, as we go through this today, I would encourage you to listen to this again. As we, as we go through this today, listen to it again and take it slow and go through these things. These notes, these uh, slides that I'm sharing with you are all on our website. They're all on our podcasts. You can look at them while you're listening but write them down and take time to write because it's important to understand this because there is one baptism. If we think of Christian baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, remember I said that they could really be seen as one.
0: That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the Gospel of Matthew.